Thank you for tuning in to the Radio Bible Course and our final session on Paul's Epistle to the Philippians. We begin with chapter 4, verse 15, where Paul talks about the previous gifts he received from the Philippian Christians. And you yourselves also know, he writes, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving but you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. But I have received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. We wonder why no other church in the first century became partners with Paul in this matter of giving. Well, in the first place, Paul never asked for any money for himself or for his ministry. Secondly, gifts that might have gone to Paul were sent to the poor instead, and Paul promoted collections for the poor saints. We read about that in Galatians chapter 2, verse 9, where he said, James, Cephas, and John, who were reputed to be pillars, gave to me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship that we might go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcision. They only asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I also was eager to do. And in 1 Corinthians 16, 1, we read about helping the poor. Paul wrote, Now concerning the contribution for the saints, that means the poor Christians, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. Well, Paul's ministry never depended upon the generosity of anybody. He served Christ at his own expense and claimed to have worked with his own hands to support himself and his companions. He did it to set an example for others. As he tells us in Second Thessalonians chapter 3, he wrote, For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us. We were not idle when we were with you. We did not eat anyone's bread without paying, but with toil and labor we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we have not that right, but to give you in our conduct an example to imitate. Ah, Paul was always interested in being an example to the other Christians. Now notice in verse 16 of chapter 4, he said, For even in Thessalonica you sent a gift more than once for my needs. They sent gifts while he was there in that city. Why did Paul work there? Well, first to set an example, but this also suggests that the gifts were small and he needed to work to help support himself. Instead of being like many men today who say, Oh, well, I'm called of the Lord. I'm going, not going to support myself. And they depend upon other people and they beg. And their begging becomes an obstacle to the gospel. Many people won't go to church today 
because there's so much begging for money to support programs that aren't necessarily needed and to support men with extravagant salaries. It's too bad that it has come to that. But thank God for Paul, who continues to be an example to you and to me on how we ought to conduct our ministries. In verse 17, Paul says he is careful to prevent anyone from supposing that his primary concern was for their gift. Instead of seeking the gift, he was interested in how a gift would benefit them. And he uses commercial words to describe his feelings. He uses the word profit and increases and account. One translator emphasized the commercial flavor of this clause this way when he wrote, the interest which is accruing to your credit. Well, that's how Paul looked at the gifts that came to him. And Paul is telling the Philippians that their gift is like a spiritual investment, which will bring spiritual dividends in the future. The fact that he wrote verse 17 means that God takes note of such gifts, gifts that further the preaching of the gospel. Verse 17 reflects a trait of Paul's character, and we could wish that preachers today had the same. I refer to Paul's uneasiness over money matters. Why did he appear to be financially shy? It's probably explained in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 12 and 18. Paul said, Nevertheless, we did not use this right, but we endure all things that we may cause no hindrance to the gospel of Christ. What then is my reward? That when I preach the gospel, I may offer the gospel without charge, so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. According to these passages, we see that when gifts were sent to Paul for his needs as a missionary evangelist, those Philippians became partners or participants in that ministry. Now, there are many of you listeners who have given to missionary efforts, to evangelists, and even to our Radio Bible Course ministry to pay for radio time and other related activities. You are partners, according to this passage, in whatever is accomplished for Jesus Christ. And those gifts are building dividends in your account. Now, there are other people who give time. They don't give money, but they have time and talent, and they give that to teaching and to evangelism, serving at their own expense, just like the Apostle Paul. Yes, you can talk to people about the Lord, and you can teach a Bible class without having to be paid for it. And when you do, it's an investment in spiritual things. Keep it up. Now, since Paul treats those who sent gifts as participants in his ministry, what does that say for those who give to organizations which deny the inspiration of the Bible, which deny the deity of Jesus Christ as God the Son, and which do not believe that he is the only way to the Father? They become partners with such religious groups when they give to them. They become part of the apostasy. I would feel very uncomfortable standing before God when he asked me, Why did you support those organizations which did not proclaim Christ and the truth of my word? Now, this leads us to several principles concerning giving. 
And don't turn your radio off. We don't talk about money and raising money for the Radio Bible Chorus. But when it comes up in the text, we do talk about it so you can understand the Bible. Here are some principles concerning giving. We who give are viewed as part of the work which the gift supports. Since a gift makes us a partner, we should be careful that its use is for the gospel, not against the gospel. Secondly, gifts bear fruit. That's what verse 17 tells us, where Paul wrote, Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. So there is fruit or interest that comes from giving to worthwhile causes. Third, recipients of gifts should be servants, not kings. They ought to be giving themselves as an example to others, as Paul did. They should not refuse to work. Fourth, Paul never asked for money for the gospel ministry. And my personal view is, if a man asks for money for his ministry, don't give. Now we come to verse 19. What does it mean when Paul writes, And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Is this a promise to all Christians? Does it imply that you and I will never have a need? What's the context about? That's the only way to determine the meaning of a passage. The law of the context restricts the application of this verse. When a man loses his business or his job, we should not quote this verse to comfort him that God will supply all his needs. Paul did not give them this verse when there were believers who were suffering in Judea. He collected money for them. We read that in Acts 11, verse 29. And the disciples determined, everyone according to his ability, to send relief to the brethren who lived in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. When Paul writes that my God shall supply all your needs according to the riches and glory in Christ Jesus, he is making a statement to people who made a sacrifice to promote his ministry. And he writes that just as God met his need, so God will supply every need of theirs. I point out he didn't say God would meet their wants. He said their needs, and there's a big difference. Now we come to the conclusion, beginning with verse 20, the end of the epistle to the Philippians. Now to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Who should get the glory? Well, Paul writes in verse 20, Now to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Paul said it so well. Everything we do ought to be for the glory of God and for Jesus Christ, his Son, we ought not to be in any kind of ministry seeking glory or fame for ourselves. And in verse 21, he talks about every saint. 
not just those in your class or in your church. Now, what is a saint? A saint is a holy one, a person who's been set apart by God. And how does that come about? It comes about by God when you believe in his Son, Jesus Christ. He sets you apart as his own possession. And so Paul writes, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. Most people greet only those as Christians who go to their church. But God has people everywhere. Accept them as God has accepted them. In verse 22, he talks about all the saints greet you. All, it refers to those in Rome. And he includes Caesar's household, those who were in imperial service, including slaves and the palace guard, who were mentioned in chapter 1, verse 13. All those who believed were united as one family in Christ Jesus. And now Paul closed in the traditional way. All of his epistles begin with grace and end with grace. And he writes here, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Why this emphasis on grace? Well, it's grace that saves us and it's grace that keeps us. The good news is the gospel. And the gospel is about the grace of God. In closing, may I say that I did not fully appreciate the Christian faith until I understood and began teaching Paul's letter to the Galatians. Our teaching tapes on Galatians will give you insight into the most critical problems which hindered first century Christians and still do today. Until next week, this is Nick Calavota reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.org.